Welcome to the Sports. 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 Podcast. I'm Joel Anderson. I'm Jordan Palmaville. And joining us as always is the Sports Outsider, Phil Rand. Hello, gentlemen. How are you this week? I'm doing okay. I'm pretty yeah, good. It's good right. to catch up. Yep. Good to see you. See what you guys right. are up to. Sunny day outside. Talking about here in sports. Los Angeles. Sports. Sports. Podcast. <laughs> uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, Send us an email. Tell us why. We're really interested to know yeah, what sports, 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 sports podcast, yeah. gmail.com. Absolutely. Uh, but also, Phil is the sports outsider. Jordan and I both know something about sports. Sure. A sports comedy podcast uh, where Phil just doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, oh, and, and we're all comedians living in Los Angeles. Oh, that's true. By way of Michigan. By way of So you of might hear Michigan. a Detroit Tigers reference. That's true. You might hear that. Or a Pistons joke. And great disdain for the state of Ohio, right? Yep. That sort of that'll, thing. That'll probably some Michigan State japes. I mean, not necessarily. Not okay, <laughs> I, I would say Jordan and I over the years have done an exceptional job of tactfully avoiding, yes, doing yeah. stories or subjects that would bring up our uh, inborn hatred for each other. Yeah, we inherent bias, canonical yeah. uh, Sparty character as part of <laughs> that. You're right. Yeah. That is we true. Did. The mascot, usually, right? Usually we do real interviews, but that I, one I, we did I, as a character. I feel like you might have sensed some some uh, unspoken tension in the room when you did that because it was really funny. But I feel like both Jordan and I were like, oh, we've avoided this for all these years. Yeah. This is and true. And here's Phil blowing right past That's because I don't know much about sports, role. so I don't yeah, care. So I'm the anarchist. give a shit. Yep. But uh, today we have a nice show. We have, uh, speaking of brotherly love, we have on a Philadelphia sports fan representative, Jimmy Rodolini. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, he says there was some, it was a popular viral clip on YouTube of a kid handing another kid a ball. Yeah, they both went for the ball. Yeah. One got there first and then like immediately just picked it up and yeah. gave it to the kid who missed it. Very so, cute. Very sweet. And a hug. A bit yeah. of a oh, yeah. And then, then afterwards they had like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the, it was kind of, I think the kid was so dumbfounded he got the ball yeah. that it took him a second to be like, I should hug this guy. Right. Yeah. It says in my notes, I feel like this is a typo. It says he's here to clear the air. No, no, that's yeah. that's correct. He, okay. had, he had some things what to say. What do you need to clear the air about, about two kids You know, I sharing. think it's about the general perception of the Philadelphia sports fan. And maybe he's saying, you know, we've turned a new leaf. All we've right. turned a page. Okay. All right. Like, look yeah. at this as an example of so where we're going. Clear the air on Philly sports fans, not on the moment in particular. I believe so. I, oh, believe I hope he brings some cheesesteaks. We uh, <laughs> Okay, sports outsider, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I love them. Phil, we got a wide world of weird sport? Goddamn right we do. And news, news, news. But before that, oh, the smell of the sunflowers rolling in off the fields, the, the high climbs in the Alps, the, the fast rise down. That's right, this is only cycling. Wait, I'm brought to you by... Le Pieu de Fume. We are perfume company. It's the Pieu de Fume. Now, hold on a second. Uh, I don't think me- uh, much of that drop was uh, audible. That felt a little little slurred. Oh, this is yeah. only cycling. Right? Didn't we talk about it? In the no. Production meeting? No. You know we're going to do an update, watch update you on sent only an, cycling? You sent an email saying, should I do a Tour de France update? And mm-hmm. I believe my response was no. Phil, what was your response? I think my response was, if you do it at the top of the show, no one's going to listen to the bottom <laughs> of the show. Oh. We're three minutes into this episode. Right. Well, I, I assume when you said that, you meant... Whoop-de-doo, short episode. We haven't gotten to the Squarespace sponsorship yet. Right, People are tuning out. (laughs) We got to make them money! Uh, But, okay, guys, it's an important moment in the Tour de France 
I think. I Tour haven't watched France. I haven't. Yeah, I it's pronounced France. I didn't wake up, and up early enough to watch today's episode. Uh, episode. Today's, today's, today's episode of Tour de France. <laughs> what season are they Previously on? Previously on Tour de France. Uh, My legs fun, hurt. <laughs> so, in this race, they're making a big deal about how it's the 100th anniversary of the yellow jersey. Are we in the, the segment now? We are in the segment. So it's too late now. <laughs> we're, late we're, now. we're doing we're the segment. Powering okay. forward. All right, Yikes. all right. So, so the yellow jersey is the one that you wear it if you're in first in the race, right? Been doing so it do they have to keep years. trading it off? If, oh, yes, like, they do. But it's a, while they, they're it, biking, yeah, is it like, oh, you're you're ahead now? I have to take off my shirt and throw it. Right, that's why whoever I it is. whoever is in the lead at the start of the stage will wear it for the day, and it's a huge honor. It's kind of like a Burger King when you get the crown when it's your birthday. Yeah, this yeah. feels like a classroom thing. Like it's your birthday today, right. you Ooh. get to wear the crown Yay. all day. I'm the best boy. Right. Yeah, it's like that, but a little bit better because it's you're winning the Tour de France. I don't see how it could be yeah, better, it's but. Now it's France. France, yes. Uh, but so it's a huge honor, and usually the early stages of the race are made up of people who fighting to wear the yellow jersey, not because they think they're going to win the whole thing, because it's like, I want to wear the yellow jersey for like three stages. Oh. That's just going to be yeah. like the highest honor of my career. It's going to be in yellow at the Tour de France. Like, I'm not going to win the match, but if I could win one round. Bingo. So if right? I went there and just sold yellow jerseys, I'd probably make a mint, right? I mean, people are already doing that. Yeah. In, in fact, Bernard... But I would mark it a little smarter. Bernard Hino <laughs> has pointed out that he really gets pissed off when he sees any, like, amateur cyclist riding around in a yellow jersey because he's like, fuck off, you didn't earn that. I, I laugh when I see... I see a lot of amateur cyclists where I'm at, and, I, and a lot of them have the, the bicycling shirts that have sponsors on them. I'm like, yeah. oh, he's sponsored, nice. Yeah, right. I can't, but I can't really, bring myself to do that. But really, it's like, just like, no, that's a... Sh you bought that. Yeah, no, like, you, I ride up and down the PCH uh, for 10 miles a day. Uh, hey, Umbro, will you sponsor <laughs> me? Yeah. You, you, you sponsored it for negative money. Anyway, point is, as of yesterday, the time trial on stage 12, Julian Alaphilippe, a Frenchman is still in yellow. Whoa. And right? this is a big deal. This is an enormous deal because no Frenchman has won the Tour de France since 1985. I always knew the French were yellow. Right? Bernard the Badger Eno. The Badger? Come on. No, that's not true. No, that is oh, absolutely true. Oh, I love that nickname. Oh. It's an amazing nickname because he rode like a badger. How does it translate? Is it Le Badger? Le Badger. I think it's like Le Badger, yeah. Oh, uh, honey He's, badger don't give a fuck. Bernard Eno is famous for being extremely surly to the point that at one point, uh, a bunch of striking coal miners uh, formed like a picket line across the road to block the stage as their protest and Bernardino rode right up to him and punched one of them right in the face. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> then he hired scabs. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Took by their the, jobs and continued the and, race. And, by and the way, the slept with thing, their wives. The only thing captured on camera is the aftermath because Hino did not hesitate. He rode directly up to him and immediately punched him in the face. Uh, before any of the photographers could capture the moment on film. So is this the Tour de France or is this American Gladiators? Yeah. Because that sounds... Uh... Point is, Eno still revered because he's the last French winner. And Julian Alaphilippe, and the big deal yesterday is that was the time trial. That's when he was supposed to lose the jersey. One. Put an additional 15 seconds into last year's winner. It was jaw-droppingly amazing. And now people are actually starting to say, can Alaphilippe win this whole thing? Can he make up for the disappointment of people like, say, Laurent Fignon, 
who lost by a mere eight seconds to Greg LeMond in 1989 on the final stage? I Greg LeMond a... was not French. Greg, Greg LeMond, American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and was down, was down 55 seconds going into the last day, which was a time trial. They never do that. And because he wore the aerodynamic gear and he was the first guy to do that in the tour... He made up uh, a minute and three seconds on Gre- uh, Laurent Fillon and uh, and won the Tour de France. I've got a question about this, though. So be- he- I know he's wearing aerodynamic gear. Does that also mean they have some sort of gear for the baguette that's in the basket in front of his bicycle <laughs> that makes that more aerodynamic? You know, Phil, they haven't done the baskets with baguettes since like the 1979 tour. Oh. So, yeah. Well, they, then they're uh, not real A shepherd French. guy keeps them all in a very large, like... Like, you know those poster things they carry around at Comic-Con? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, but with baguettes. Yeah, and at the end of a, a, a stage, they're like, ah, time for brie and baguettes. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, drink the wine. Eh, or Gina. <laughs> it's like the dead ball era in baseball. Everything is marked pre and post baguette. Right. Oh. My legs, they have the lactic acid. They must yeah. drink as, the wine. As soon as they removed the the uh, requirement that you have a baguette on you at all times, <laughs> it really made the, the race more more aerodynamic. I but, you know, you know, not as fun. Yeah. Yeah. So... 1989, they missed out by eight seconds. Flash forward to 1998. At this point, Richard Verink, uh, beloved Frenchman, looks like he's going to win the whole thing. What happens? The Festina affair. Uh, his his so uh, his one of his teammates got busted crossing the Spanish border with an enormous amount of EPO. <laughs> like what's like, EPO? Uh, EPO. It's it's for blood doping. It it allows oh, okay. you to carry more oxygen. In your blood. That feels like that should be fair, though, right? <laughs> I've actually it's had... It's a, it's a big... It's not it's as a dangerous as but steroids, it's, right? But it's, it, that's one of those ones, I feel like we've talked about this before. It feels like more science than just performance-enhancing drugs. Right. And I think the long-term negative effects aren't quite as bad as steroids. But I do think if you take too much of it for too long, you'll die. It's basically, if you have too much oxygen in your blood, I bet basically it's like you're the guy at the party who's on coke. Yeah, and yeah. you're just like, I'm so sick of talking to that guy. Clearly, no, keeps there's, doing there's, lines in the bathroom right. and coming out with great ideas. Who would ride a whole day at the Tour de France and they'd be too wired at night. It's pronounced so they'd have France. To, yeah, they'd get up and on their exercise cycle and do like a few hours in the middle of the night just to work it all off. Anyway, point is, how much only cycling do we have left? Uh, like two more minutes. Okay, you guys kept interrupting. Me. I had I had an outline. <laughs> we were intrigued. We, yeah, no, what that's, were that's we? Uh, no, anyway, I think we were just interrupting. I, yeah. I guess I will I will skip forward because after 1998, they cracked down big time on doping with EPO. Okay, uh, mm. and then Lance Armstrong won the next seven Tours de France. Right, not French. Yeah, little little sub note that some of the people who were really upset about Lance Armstrong and now feel vindicated were in fact French assholes who okay. were just upset that Varenk got busted and Lance Armstrong didn't. Wait, oh, the French what? have assholes? Oh, the French have many assholes. Which brings us today, uh, and you know, up until now, no one really thought anybody had a chance. Every single year they come in and it's, oh, this is the year for Thibaut Pinot or Romain Bardet or, uh, oh, who's that other guy? Pierre are Pierre, these? Pierre Roland. There we go. That's <laughs> nice. what I Phil got it. <laughs> oh, this is John, like John over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, every year they come in and they say, maybe this is a year. And then and then by the end of the second week, it's like, oh, they're not looking good. <laughs> okay. But uh, so everyone maybe keep an, keep an eye on it. Uh, Julian Alaphilippe. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Thanks, well, but mean, no I thanks. I mean, like, look up what happened yesterday in the paper for two also, seconds no every morning. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. So There's a we, lot of we, shit we trending are, on Twitter, Joel. We are entering the Pyrenees, and a lot of big question marks about whether or not Julian Alaphilippe can keep pace up the long, steep mountain passes of the Pyrenees and the Alps. But if he can, we could have a French winner of the Tour de France for the first time since 1985. France. France. Excuse me, Phil. News, news, news on the Sports, Sports, Sports podcast with Jordan, Joel, and Phil. News, news, news. NC State football coach will shotgun a beer at halftime if nobody leaves. Whoa. That's cool. Subheadline, fans to coach, okay, but us too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right? telling him. Uh, NC State football has a long uh, tradition of halftime, quote, pass outs. Uh-oh. And I don't mean freshmen baking in the sun, dehydrated by Coors Light, putting undue stress on student health services. Yeah. Guys, don't don't wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning to drink before a football game. It, I, I mean, I college. know the temptation is there. I, yes, we all did. I but enjoyed it. at the very least, pace yourself. Yeah, no, no that's, that's the important thing. I didn't, didn't want to pace myself. Well, no, of course you didn't. But Jordan's right. Like, it, to be drunk for an entire day... You're working almost as hard as those athletes. You should really prepare yeah, yourself. So that is, you need that Gatorade. Is my, that's yeah. my Thunderdome. Uh, <laughs> but pass out, in this case, means allowing fans to leave the stadium at halftime and re-enter. So oh, NC State has always so allowed this. you go drink during halftime. Basically, fans typically head back to their tailgate spots to enjoy a beverage. Uh, and, and basically, and the thought is they come back. Now... Generally, I've, I've heard of this before, but only at schools like Central Michigan. So yeah. let's be clear about the conference Dabo Sweeney is dominating, okay? Yeah. <laughs> An ACC school allows this. Come on, guys. So the problem with letting... Uh, Remember when Dabo Sweeney was telling us how great the ACC was? Your fans don't even stay in the stadiums. <laughs> yeah. uh, the problem with letting fans leave at halftime is they don't have time to make it back by the start of the second half. Uh, Plus, if we're down 20 points and I'm four beers in at halftime... Yeah, chance, yeah. I'm not going to make it back. You bet. And when the fans don't come back, it's noticeable uh, for fans, players, coaches, and everyone involved. It hurts whatever home field advantage the Wolfpack has, and crucially, it makes the players and coaches sad, you guys. It hurts yeah. your feelings. Oh, you got like we're putting on a show here, guys. You all left? Let me, let me tell you something. This is my, my work as, day. Right. As a long veteran of the indie improv scene in Los Angeles, I understand. Name drop. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I, Pick that up. Oh. I understand the disappointment of trying to get excited about something when there's almost no one there to see it. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> Governor Roy Cooper and the North Carolina legislator may have taken a step in the right direction. Because they have a bill that allows the sale of beer and wine at college sporting events. Ooh, Thank not God. a good idea. NC State's Board of Trustees voted to allow it at Wolfpack Games. Good. Terrible idea. I think it's smart. Well, here's the thing. There's been steady improvement under head coach Dave Doran who's had back-to-back nine-and-four seasons at a school oh. that we just all kind of assume is a basketball school? Yeah. Primarily because of clips, ESPN shows, and promotion of the Jimmy V Foundation? Yeah, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I mean, it's a basketball school, but, like, how much? Didn't Kevin... No, he went to Vodka. Is it an anything school? We draft... The Lions drafted a running back out of NC State. Oh, and that's where uh, Russell, uh, what's it, the Simmons? Seattle. Yes, Russell Simmons. Nice. Was at before Wisconsin. But I think. Yeah. What's his last name? Wilson. Yeah. But I think we all just assume it's a basketball school. Oh, sure. Yeah. But I was doing research on it. I'm like. No one know. knew who Russell Wilson was until he played for Wisconsin. I don't know if it's an, an anything school. I was doing some research about this, yeah. and I was going to call NC State the clunky third wheel 
of the tobacco mm-hmm. road rivalry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Friday. He doesn't have any plans. And then he's a little too opinionated about the movie you invited him to. Yep. And maybe helping himself to a little too much of your popcorn, which you already have to share with your girlfriend. Right. Ultimately, yeah. And it, Duke and North Carolina won't get down to that so I was gonna, nasty, harmful making out that they do. So I was going to do that, but then I, I was researching it. And I found out apparently Wake Forest is part of the tobacco road rivalry. Oh, There's yeah. four schools. Wake and so Forest my mi- is better, isn't it? So my mind is blown. Yeah. What uh, does NC State do? <laughs> well, it is a something school. Dave Doran has been to five straight bowl games, winning three, and has been over 500 basically every season since his oh, first shit. season, which he came in. So he's actually done a pretty I good take job. take it back. My apologies to NC State and their football program, which is doing quite well for itself. But the media didn't want to ask about uh, the loss of offensive coordinator to a head coaching job or the eight returning starters in defense. They were more curious whether the city of Raleigh's official cocktail, the Cherry Bounce, would be served in plastic souvenir cups or some sort of oversized hat that, so we're clear, would have to be oversized. Oh, I would hope so. What's in a Cherry Bounce? I I bet I can name one ingredient. Okay. Grenadine. Nope. God. (laughs) I assume vodka. Well, actually, nowadays there might be, but basically the original Cherry Bounce recipe was brandy, cherries, and sugar infused for weeks or months. Martha Washington has a famous recipe that you can find online. Oh. The legislature of North Carolina loved this drink so much, they, they said the capital can't be any farther from this one bar that made a really good one. Yeah, that actually sounds really good. Uh, I, I wouldn't put the sugar in, but brandy with cherries steeped in it for a while. So Dave Doran is hopeful this will solve the problem of fans leaving early. And while being interviewed by 99.9, the fans, uh, Adam Gold and Joel Ovies. My favorite North Carolina <laughs> sports radio station. Well, Raleigh. Yeah. I mean, you you have that one oh, in Durham right. that you yeah, really no, like. You are correct, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but basically, uh, one of the hosts asked uh, that if fans stay in the stadium through halftime and the entire game, maybe a fan would be allowed to bring Coach Doran a beer on the sideline yeah. at halftime. And Doran quickly said, if a fan does that, I will shotgun it on the 50-yard line. Oh, Whoa, what a meathead, right? He knows his audience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also probably knows that legally he's not going to be allowed to do that. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Well, I was going to say, saying you're going to shotgun a beer on the field, really not news. Other coaches have privately proposed shotgunning a beer on the field before. before. Uh, Pop Warner, Walter Camp, mm-hmm. Amos Alonzo Stagg, Barry Switzer, Woody Hayes, Brady Hoke, Bobby Bowden, Tommy Bowden, Terry Bowden. Drinking kind of problem oh, in yeah. that family, yeah. And lastly, Ron Zook, who was almost successful. Oh, don't forget uh, Heisman. Oh, yeah. That was his one counter argument against the addition of the face mask. <laughs> that he wouldn't be able to shotgun a beer. Wouldn't be able to shotgun a beer. And, but, here, but with all the deification of coaches and all the talk of them being molders and men, it's important to remember that some coaches are just drunk who have stayed around long enough to be the last white guy standing. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. And however unlikely it is, this could work. NC State was seemingly affected by halftime passouts this last season, which, again, passouts, leaving and coming back. Not sorority girls falling down concrete stadium stairs. Oh, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Pace yourself, guys. These are tough days to get through. Or have fun with your youth. NC State (laughs) outscored opponents by 98 points in the second quarter last season, compared to just seven in the third. Mm. And and Doran would like to keep Carter Finley Stadium's raucous atmosphere going for four quarters. And this sounds like basically everyone gets rip-roaring drunk and passes out. And the team's like, well, you guys, you were so loud on defense in yeah. the first half. We're not allowed to do that for another hour and a half. Well, isn't that part of the fun of the sports, though, is you drink a lot and you go, I could do that better. 
Yeah, not for that's the what everyone athletes, else does. Phil. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I think that's the point Jordan's making. Oh, yeah. But still, that's, every time I go watch a sports event with all of you fucking guys, you're like, you get drunk and you go, that was a dumb play. Like, you could do it better. That was a pretty good imitation. Yeah, no, no. We do criticize. <laughs> well, I'll say this. We criticize the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. More than the players. Yeah. I, I will say this. You know how people have been talking for a long time about how, you know, mathematically speaking, uh, football coaches are too conservative. Need right, to go right, for it in fourth right, down yep, more. Yep. There's uh, a very clear mathematical case for this, but they still don't do it. Maybe a couple beers at halftime means they're going to get closer to like an optimal aggressiveness. In oh, the like half. that that like slight loss of inhibitions will be like, yeah. you know what? We're on the 47. Let's fucking go for We're it. Like, Let's do this. Hail Marys all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be like, Hail Mary. I'd be like, oh, coach, maybe like an off tackler. <laughs> no. <laughs> you might go, you might, the only problem you might just get is, Hey, we could punt. Or we could fake punt! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time. I don't know. That didn't work the last three times. I'm thinking they might be on to us. PlayStation Offense! <laughs> Joining us now on the podcast is a Philadelphia sports fan hey, representative. Fuck you! Huh? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fuck you! Hey, Jimmy, calm it down, Jim, man. We're yeah, having you here Hey, for you two got to take it easy, eh? Boo! Boom. Oh man, Jimmy! We Jimmy, this podcast sucks. Whoa, this what? podcast sucks. You both suck. Boom. I mean, he's right, but also, come on. Well, I, we just are gonna. I was about to introduce you. You're Jimmy Rodolini. You're a sports fan representative from Philadelphia. Hey, we Philly yeah. fans deserve better than that sort of shitty introduction. What? All right, and okay. you know what? We don't we don't hold back. We let you know when we're upset. I can tell. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You guys got a bit of a reputation. Oh, yeah, but we you, do. But you made some press recently with some soft edges. Like there was a I kid feel like the next a... generation of fans. Right, you got to follow ball. Gave it yeah, to a yeah. other and, kid. And gave you know him a hug. what? That's exactly why I'm here to talk about. I'm glad you brought it up because okay, I got I got to get this off gotta my chest. Right air, now, yeah. listen. There has been a reputation about Philly fans for quite some time, okay? Yep. Yeah. We, we've often been, been viewed as the most heinous, the most vulgar, the most violent, the worst fans that you're going to come across anywhere, right? Yeah. Right. And recently, I think people got a view of a different angle of that. That's right? true with these with kids. With these kids, yeah. Yeah, very these cute. two wonderful kids. One of them catches a the ball. He immediately hands it over to the other kid. Yeah, like nice. it's nothing. It was like, a great you moment. take this foul ball, it's for you. That's and then they hugged, love. right? Yeah. Yeah. Brotherly yeah. love. And I am here to tell you, we are not about to let those children ruin the reputation that we have built up here in Philadelphia. Whoa. Wait, wait. Those kids are doing something nice. Yeah, wait. Yeah, fuck those sorry. kids. Sorry. Ru- Whoa. Come on. They're these kids. Are children. Come on. They're, kids. they're like 11, 10, and 11. They're nice to each other. Let them be nice to each other. No, we can't let them be nice to each other. Do you have any idea the sort of sacrifices were made to get us to the point where everybody understands that going to Philly to watch a game is going to be a decidedly unpleasant experience? Yeah, but isn't that a bad thing? Yeah. What no, it, we spent a, a lot of thing. time getting to that point. Well, I mean, for the opposing fans, maybe like if I were to show up at an Eagles game in a in a in a Lions or more likely Rams shirt, we would kill you. Right, right. right. But but what about this was like Philly fan on Philly fan. Like if I'm a hometown Philly fan and I show up to a game, shouldn't I have oh, a pleasant experience? Right. That's just the thing, though. All right, we cannot let people think that going to a baseball is some sort of baseball game is some sort of pleasurable family experience. It's exa- but it's, it's supposed to be. It's right? exactly no. what it's supposed to be. A little bit of America. No, it's yeah. war. It's war. Four tickets, four Whoa. dogs, four cokes. Yeah, seventy bucks. Not a bad, not a <laughs> bad deal. Yeah, family. No, you guys are dead wrong. All right. Whoa. All right. It is, it is about making the other team feel so bad that they cry, all right? And short of that, 
that they leave the stadium thinking that the entire city of Los Angeles is a bad place wow. and that the people who live there are not good people. Wait, so so these kids did this thing. Anything you're... short of that, and we are really upset with how we did it no, that game. No, that's fair. And when we see two kids giving away baseballs, hugging each other, right. Yeah. All right, what happens the next time the Mets come to town? They're like, oh, look at those fans who are always just hugging each other. You know, how seriously are we supposed <laughs> well, to take this game? But you're the city of brotherly love. Right. Yeah, it's that's a trick. No. Wait, what? <laughs> that's a trick. We came up with that years ago to make people not expect what they're going to get. Wait, but it, it does lead to false expectations. Well, that's I guess. true. Plus those kids, I don't think they were brothers. Well, no. I mean, fig- figuratively. Yeah. Brotherly love is the only love that we will accept, and even that, begrudgingly. So how are you going to keep kids from being nice to each other in the future? Everyone says that the next up-and-coming generation, the Gen Z generation, is like one of the most kind and understanding generations. Oh, that's, yeah, see, that's mean, a great... That's, yeah. that's progress. Right, I yeah. love hearing that. You all right. You know, in, in much the same way that many people are preparing for global warming, we Philly fans are preparing for Gen Z as an existential threat to us, the Philadelphia Whoa. fans. Wait, an existential threat? What are you talking That's about? That's insane. People, people don't appreciate being an asshole anymore. It's an odd... You think it's easy to boo Santa Claus? Do you think it's easy to be a grown man flinging batteries at someone because you don't like the football team they play for? I would for? be embarrassed. Well, what kind it. of battery? Do you think it's easy to cheer because you think Michael Irvin might have just lost the feeling in his legs? That's not yeah, that's a little easy. Awkward, yeah. We worked hard at this. But why? I'm, I'm just, why are you doing this? <laughs> I What's think, the point? I think we should be, uh, it's our cultural tradition. It does seem to be, It's it, one, it's a tradition uh, here. Yeah. Uh, two, it does help with the home field advantage. Even yep. at even at the cost of maybe making its home fans feel uncomfortable, it does give you an advantage in some big games. It absolutely does. Hey, don't you think I would like to go to a baseball game and not have to worry about getting my teeth knocked out? Yeah. Sure, yeah. I mean, you don't have yes. that many left at this I point. I mean, obviously, we would all like to dream of a moment like that, okay? That's how I live every day, everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah I don't have to worry about getting my teeth knocked out. Obviously, wildly unrealistic. Not if you let these kids be these kids. Mm. Just mm. let them be nice to each here's, other. Here's the thing. this is It's just like international politics, okay? Whoa, you send, I can't wait to hear where this is going. You send a little bit of foreign aid to El Salvador, and the yeah, next thing you know, Russia's got no respect for you. All right? I don't know how <laughs> that we is connected not how those dots. They're, went they're down. fucking with your election just because you sent some money somewhere else. Well, all no, right? they're fucking with their elections because they knew they could get away with it. Well, okay, yeah, there's that too. Right. But I'm just saying. I don't right, know. He does make think, a point about El they Salvador. Think they would think they'd be know. able to get away follow. with it if we weren't being so nice to fucking Peru and shit. Okay. <laughs> don't bring Peru I don't think, into I this. I don't think Peru's the problem. Peru no is not the we problem. Have a lot of Peruvian listeners. Peru. I'm sorry, you're right. I don't mean to single out Peru. All countries outside of the United States and all places outside of Philadelphia are worthless shitholes. Whoa. Jesus. And come to think of it, most parts of Philadelphia are worthless shitholes. You know, I, I don't love the things you're saying, but I think that I might vote for you for president someday. <laughs> oh, I just get oh, yeah? this feeling you'd be really good at it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what my first rule is? What's that? Remove all the seats from baseball games. <laughs> what? Standing room only from here on out. Standing room where the fans would be miserable. And the kids. What fans about the children? Second rule, fans get bats too. Yikes. <laughs> All right. That's I don't dangerous. know if that's uh, the America yeah. we want out yeah. of this. Uh, 
Well, Jimmy, it's it's been great having you on. I, uh, Are you booing me off your podcast? Well, I think at the oh, time. Oh, fuck you, Jordan! Boo! Oh boo! no, man, I feel terrible. Boo! You're worse than Santa Claus. But hey, I'm not going to mess with a Phillies fan ever again. <laughs> and now it's time for another wide world of weird sports. Southwest weird sports and Southwest weird sports. Wide world of weird sports. What do we have for this particular week? This particular week we have the longest home runs in MLB history. <gasps> I'm really excited. I yeah. am I am I'm skeptical because right. I don't believe the uh, measuring is uh, up to my standards. <laughs> oh, they I think talk a lot about of it. Yeah, oh, 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 okay. As long as they, yeah. they comment on yeah. this. What I'm, is it? Like anything pre like 95 is extremely dubious. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will say But also, this. they hit long balls then, too. Yeah. But we don't. So, yeah. yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, same old deal. I have to say, as a disclaimer, the article's a little dry because there's not a lot of stories behind these home runs, right? You go up to the plate, hit it, it goes real far, right? Yeah. Okay. I see how that could be lack of a story. But I would like a lot to, of fun we, names in history, right? get the picture it was hit off of so that we can give them shit? Maybe... Probably uh, not. Probably not. If you did a list of the longest home runs of all time and did not include the, the pitcher who surrendered it, then I'm I'm sorry, you're a bad writer. But this is on the bleacherreport.com, so there are no bad writers. Nah. Uh, first two sentences. Uh, hitting a baseball hundreds of feet is incredibly hard. Accurately measuring those mood shots isn't much easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. After Giancarlo Staten decimated a baseball during the World Baseball Classic, MLB Network informed viewers that the hulking outfielder torpedoed the ball 424 feet at an exit velocity of 117.3 miles an hour. StatCast data, however, that, is still a relatively new tool. That's a good one. That's, that's out to deep center in, uh, in Comerica Park. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. ESPN's home run tracker has studied long balls since 2006, giving them fans a better sense of how homers travel. Decades before these modern advances, historians were left to make questionable estimations or even use actual tape measure. One fell in a coal truck, and it just drove and drove and drove. <laughs> right, exactly. Ended up in Ohio's longest home run Philadelphia's ever seen. I'm going to just breeze through the honorable mentions, because why? Right? Okay. Uh, so at 582 feet, Joey Meyer. 580 feet, Josh Gibson. 487 feet, Mark McGuire. Oh, the Josh Gibson one is like super legendary. Josh well, Gibson is not, not as, even top 10. But also, but no. also extremely dubious yeah. in terms of I the mean, measurement. Uh, Josh Gibson was a Negro League catcher. It's okay to say that because that's what it's called. That's Still doesn't feel great. <laughs> but yeah. he was considered one of the only people who hit the ball yeah. entirely out of Yankee Stadium. Oh, that's cool. He's 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 known as basically being the guy who would have been Babe Ruth if he had not been barred yeah. from competing in, I see. in white baseball. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, Andres Galarraga, 468 feet. Jose Canseco, 443 feet. A whole lot of juicers in there, huh? Well, yeah. Well, Canseco... <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right, let's get to the top 15. Oh, and Josh Gibson. Yeah, well-known. <laughs> well-known. <laughs> right? With tobacco juice. Yeah. But back then, that was that was considered sterile. Sure. <laughs> uh, number 15, Mike Piazza at 496 feet. Last name is not pizza, but it's close. <laughs> it's like a plaza. It's like a town square. Yeah. Uh, so the Rockies credited Piazza with a 496-foot home run, but their procedure for measuring home runs at the time did not attempt to include the additional distance the ball would have flown had it not landed on the concourse. So it might have been further. 
Yo, I don't he, think he, he hit it. He hit it to the airport in Denver. So, oh, I see. Yeah. It landed on a plane. Then the oh, plane flew 496 feet. Didn't yeah. count that. Which, which was a remarkably short flight. Oh, very short. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was just about to. He, land. he would have smashed the record if he had not been so unlucky to hit it onto the one of the Denver to Denver flights. Totally. <laughs> Number fourteen, Glenn Allen Hill did a 500 footer in 2000. I've never I've heard of never it. Heard okay. Of Glenn <laughs> Allen Hill. Uh, so in his penultimate 2000 season, Glenn Allen Hill registered a career high. 27 home runs for the Chicago Cubs and New York Yankees. The ball soared out of Wrigley Field and landed on the rooftop of a building across the street. I know those rooftops. Oh, That's yeah. pretty far. Yeah. The the apartment complexes. That yeah, where they sell tickets <laughs> and then it. the Cubs don't get to get any of that moolah, right? I do have – if I had a virtually unlimited amount of money, I might buy, like, one of those condos. Right. But uh, two months later, the Cubs traded him to the Yankees. So, yes. <laughs> but, well, good job on your home run. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, it would be nice to be able to go up to your roof and watch any baseball game. It's unfortunate that it would be the Cubs, but I'd right. still, yeah. Tie for 12, Cecil Fielder, 502 feet in 1991. Yeah. Oh, 1990, like, what year? Like, I'm sorry. 1991. 1991. Okay, okay, okay. That is a Tiger. Uh, so he accrued uh, in, from 90 to 91. Cecil Fielder accrued an MLB best 95 home runs, including a soaring shot. Onto the Tiger Stadium roof oh, in 1990. Yeah, he was one of the four people that hit it over the left field roof. Ooh, who are the other yeah. three? Harmon Killebrew, Mark McGuire, and Frank Robinson. Look at that. That is, And that's a... So it's all Hall of Famers and Cecil Fielder who pulled that off. Well, Mark McGuire probably oh, right, not yeah, going to make it. <laughs> yeah. So two <laughs> yeah. Hall of Famers. Right? Uh, the Boston Globe's Bob Ryan said, The ball assumed what could only be called a majestic arc and landed on the left field roof of Tiger Stadium. An inning later or so later, they told us it was charted at 484 feet, but I would have believed 1,484 feet. Wow, what a sports writer. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I, I think that's a poor estimation. So, yeah. Also tied for 12th, Ted Williams, 502 feet, 1946. Teddy Ball. They still have the seat in right field at Fenway Park that is red mm-hmm. to denote that home run. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, hey. That's a cool tradition. Yeah, not bad, right? right? When researchers delve into older home runs for more accurate telling, they typically spoil everyone's party by deflating an embellished tail. In this case, however, initial estimates appeared to have sold Ted Williams short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The legendary hitter took uh, Fred Hutchinson Yard on June 9th, 1946 for a dinger deemed to travel 502 feet. Not bad at all, but ESPN's home run tracker determined that Williams deserves even more credit. <gasps> 530 feet is what they figured. Oh, uh, by the way, everyone should make sure you catch there's a Ted Williams documentary on Netflix right now. That is fucking fantastic. Splendid Splinter, heavily features interviews with Joey Votto. You should watch it. All right. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Uh, I'm running out of time, but we still have 10 more to go. Oh I'm going to zip through here. Tie for 10th, Adam Dunn at 504 feet. Oh, big yeah. donkey? What there was his nickname? 2008. Something, something donkey. They called him donkey. Crushed it for the Diamondbacks. Good for him. Also tied for 10th, Giancarlo Stanton again, 504 feet in 2016. Uh, this guy is a positively hitter, man. enormous. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did really well. Uh, nine, Mo Vaughn, hey. 505 feet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cut. Do you remember Mo Vaughn? I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, they say New York Mets fans don't hold many fond memories of Mo Vaughn. But he true, signed yeah. a big free agency deal to go yeah. there and then didn't do good. Ooh, that it's sucks. Also, yeah, he's kind of fat, too. So. Well, big hitter. Everyone's fine with that until you don't play well, and then it's a real issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Number eight is Jim Thomey at 511. Tomey. 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 
Jim Tomei at 511 I'm going to take a wild guess and say that he hit that against the Tigers. Uh, he would see... Why? Because I'm pretty sure the statistic is that in his career he hit... 375 home runs against the Tigers. Something like that. I would have to start the video in order to see if that's true, and I'm not going to start that video. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Daryl Strawberry hey. at 525 feet, All 1988. Right. I mean, he was okay, but he doesn't hold a candle to David Raspberry. You know, so. you'll, you'll appreciate the first sentence of the description says, before getting benched for Homer Simpson, Daryl Strawberry tested <laughs> Olympic Stadium. Blood, so. Homer at the bat makes a comeback. Uh, number six is Dave Kingman at 530 feet in 1976. All right. Uh, Another one out of Wrigley Field. Yeah, his uh, his wife, uh, Carol Queen Woman, is a... Uh... Oof. That was painful <laughs> to listen to. Uh, tied for number four, Adam Dunn at 535 oh, feet in 2004. Donkey's back! There we go, and he was like, that, remember, done with that ball. Remember when I was really insistent that signing Adam Dunn was like the only move the Tigers could make? I do. Remember how wrong I was about that? I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> also tied for four is Willie Stargill, uh, 535 feet in 1978. Okay, I believe yeah. that. Stargill. But- Stargill. Yeah. <laughs> he was a Pittsburgh Pirate. Yar. We, we, we normally don't correct your pronunciation of names, but we actually know how they're supposed to be pronounced it's, this time. It's uh, pronunciation, so. Joel. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, number three, Reggie Jackson at 539 feet in 1971. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Is, uh, is he going to here a second time? I don't know. I, don't, I doubt it, but. Well, who mm. do you guys think is number one? We're getting close. I mean, it depends on the methodology because yeah. I feel like there's like a Babe Ruth one that supposedly went like 600 feet. Yeah. Mickey Mantle. Oh, Mickey Mantle. Yeah, 565 or something and like that. And what is it? The, I mean, Reggie Jackson hit the one that hit the light tower at Tiger Stadium. But that was right field. A lot of people cleared right field. Okay. That's why I said the, the stat with left field is more impressive because it's like four people, like 30-some people have cleared right field. I'm oh, hearing a lot scared. of hedging here, but let's go. Number two, Mickey Mantle, 565 okay. feet. Okay. And the distance. That makes yeah. me think the babe's going to be one then. Absolutely. Uh, urban Legends, uh, this is uh, still Urban Legends, but they think that they got the whatever the home run tracker thing said that yeah. it was accurate. Number one is Babe Ruth, 575 feet. They claim... That in 1921 he hit one over 600 feet, but this ESPN home run tracker says that the longest he hit was 575 feet. Still, though, that's a pretty far ball, especially for somebody who like eats prostitutes every night for dinner. Is that what he did? (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much, and slept with hot dogs. Oh, that guy! (laughs) God, boy, did he love hot dogs! (laughs) And that brings it into another wide world of weird sports. Oh, please don't sleep with hot dogs. It's not really a good way to do it. Citizens of Podcast Town, this brings a close to their sports. 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 Podcast. Before we go, we're going to bring back, uh, I mean, I, if can we bring back Joey Rodolini? Yeah, we can bring back Joey Rodolini. All right. Hey, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy Rodolini. Could you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we okay, just need you to right. tell them the contact. We kind of have this thing and we, we have the guest reader Philly's rule. We yeah, suck. Yeah. I get it. All right. Contact info. If you want to find us on Facebook, I don't know why you would because Facebook sucks. No, it doesn't. Facebook's a great organization. <laughs> yeah. Excellent uh, leadership. Yeah. You got to go to facebook.com backslash uh, what? Sports the number three podcast? That's, That's the right, one. Jimmy. The yeah. best URL in the world, right? Some stupid fucking thing. Jeez. You want to do it in Twitter, which I I don't know. Sometimes I like Twitter when it's all people saying nasty stuff to each other. Oh. Yeah? But then every once in a while, like, people connect with each other and, and have, like, positive things come out of it. Not and then it's like, much. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I like Twitter more than Facebook. Okay. I was going to say, Twitter so seems many, like it's yeah. right in your wheelhouse. So. Not so many pictures of babies. Lots of very profane, horrible things said uh, to Sometimes yeah. some dank memes. There you sure. go. 
Uh, so it's Sports the Number Three Podcast is yep. the Twitter handle. That's right? the one. And then finally, if you want to see any of the back episodes, I don't know why you would. They do a bunch of stupid Detroit stuff and not nearly enough Philly stuff. Pretty accurate. Yeah, but you could go to anchor.fm slash sports the number three podcast. You could if you want. Yeah. Boom! Thank Bye, you. Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. Bye, Jimmy. Jimmy. Bye. See, you, see you soon. Sure. Hey, guys. Joel. Joel. So who do you think is going to win the Tour de France? Bye, Bye Joel. Joel.